We are back in the book of Colossians, and we'll be in chapter 3, uh, the first four verses this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you again for the opportunity to study your word. So many times I think we take it for granted. I know I do. And yet, Lord, these are the words of life. These are the words that we need to be able to live in the way that you want us to. So as we look at these verses this morning, Lord, I just pray that you'd open our eyes and our hearts and, 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 and help us to understand, help us to look at it and say, yes, I want to do this. Lord, we fully acknowledge that we can't understand your word and we can't even apply it or do it without your help and your spirit guiding. So we ask for that this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. And this portion of Colossians 3 has a special um, significance for me. Uh, I was 19 years old when I had uh, decided I was going to go into missions training, and I went to Chicago for a one-year training program, and from there I was going to be going to Ecuador for a couple years. And, and <clears throat> while I was there, and, and um, one of the things I, I realized was that there were missionaries who were <clears throat> coming home and transitioning to the United States. And so many times, some of them would be there for a short amount of time as well. And it was during the time that I met one of these uh, people. Um, she was a missionary from Indonesia, and I fell madly in love. And it was with an older woman, if you can imagine. Uh, I was 19, and she was 24. <clears throat> and, I mean, I was hopelessly struck. I mean, it was, you know, I couldn't think of anything. My mind kept going back to her. I thought this was the coolest lady I'd ever met in the world. Of course, that was later going to happen even more. But in this case, <laughs> in this case, when I was 19, seriously, I mean, we're talking about, if you want to say infatuation, this was like king size and over the top. It was crazy. And um, I remember just thinking uh, how amazing it would be that that this this wonderful missionary lady and I <clears throat> would be working somewhere together. And, and I, you know, it got to the point where I was really kind of struggling with a lot of this and trying to figure out how do I, how do I handle this? What do I do with this? And I went to see uh, one of my professors and I said, this is what's going on. And, and, and my professor, Spanish teacher, looked at me and she said, you've got a problem with your focus. I said, what? So you're focused on yourself and not the things of God. And I kind of sat back for a second and she said, you know what I want you to do? So I want you to take Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses, and I want you to memorize those. And then I want you to just repeat those every day. Just repeat those in the morning when you get up, just before you go to sleep. Just just work your way through those four verses over and over and over. And you know what happened? Within about oh a week or so, all of a sudden, my focus was rearranged to where it was supposed to be, which was on the things of God and the training I was going through. And, and this young lady and I were friends the whole time I was there, and I, I enjoyed learning from her certain things about Indonesia. But it was never that kind of an infatuation ever again. It was done. It was over with because the Lord helped me to adjust my focus from myself to him and to what I was there for. Remember, as we get into Colossians again, Paul's reasoning for writing the book of Colossians was to show, first of all, the deity and the supremacy of Christ. And he wanted to show and lead believers into spiritual maturity or help them grow. And he wanted them to be informed about the circumstances that he was involved. He was in prison, he was in Rome, and he wanted them to know those things. 
Now, just kind of to go back and, and, and build a bridge between where we were last year and where we start this morning, um, Colossians 2.23 says this, These rules, and they're things that he just mentioned in the previous section, may seem wise because they require strong devotion and pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. And so Paul was saying, hey, yeah, you've heard about these people over here and the people over here and all the things that they're requiring of you. You need to understand no matter which of those things you get involved in, or if you get involved in all of them, none of those things will draw you closer to Christ. It's not about rules. It's not about not having rules. It's about pursuing the Lord. Now, let's go to the next slide. On one level, this is what's going on. Paul is saying, listen, we we live by faith in what Jesus Christ did for us. And so we're saved by grace through faith. And we live by grace through faith. That's how we continue to go straight. <clears throat> we don't want to get off into license where we can do whatever we feel like. And we don't want to get off into legalism where there's a bunch of rules and regulations that we have to keep. Neither of those are where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be walking with the Lord in grace. Let's go to the next one, kind of an explanation Legalism is that whole idea of a rigid set of rules and restrictions, and, and they don't even necessarily have to be from the Bible, but just something really rigid and controlling, that would be a legalism. Uh, license was a no rules at all. Anything goes. There's just absolutely nothing that matters when it comes to what you want to do. Grace says, I choose obedience. Uh, I choose moving forward. Walking for the Lord. So that's kind of just a real quick summary of where we've been. And then we'll jump into chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Uh, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So let's go back and just kind of take a look at it. Now, verse 20 said, since you died with Christ to the basic elements of this world, now, he says, since you have been raised with Christ. And so remember, even in that symbolism of baptism, when we go into the water, there's the sense of representing the fact that we've died with Christ and we come up out of the water, we're resurrected with Christ. And that's a little bit what Paul, I think, is referring to here. Um, since you died with Christ to the basic things, you know, and now you have been raised with Christ to new life in Him. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. God made you alive in Christ. So you were dead. Now you've been raised. And then he gives us an interesting command here. Set your hearts on things above. And and that's the whole idea of, of the ascended and glorified Christ. We want to set our thoughts and our hearts on Him. Uh, set your hearts on things above. And that word set is a continuous, ongoing Effort that is required. That's that's the way it comes out in the Greek. And so set your hearts is a, is, is a command, but it's also a sense of not just one time, but it's an ongoing, daily, moving forward, obeying Christ. And so <clears throat> set your mind on things above is the whole idea of continuing and, and seeking and keeping on seeking. So seek and keep on seeking is the kind of thought that's there. Uh, so set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. And again, seated. Why is that so important? Well, because the atonement was done. It's finished. Jesus didn't have any more work to do. When it came to salvation, when it came to offering us forgiveness for our sins, that's done. It's done through what Jesus Christ already did on the cross for us. So seated, 
Christ is seated. Salvation is done. And he's seated where? At the right hand of God, which is a position of honor and majesty, authority, power. And, and, and one of the things that I really need to ask myself, and, and I think we need to each of us say, where does my mind go when I can just stop and not focus on work or focus on studies or focus on whatever? Where does my mind go? Is there any chance that my mind goes to seek the things above, to seek Christ, to pursue Him, and to, to be thinking about what it means to belong to Him? Do we go regularly to the person of Christ and things above? If not, Matthew would tell us we're in trouble. Because he would say, and he said it in Matthew 6.20, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And so when I'm looking around and I'm looking at things, am I looking in any way at the person and work of Christ and what he's done for me? Am I looking up in any way at all? Or am I so focused on everything that's going on around me that that's not even a consideration? Paul makes it clear. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Then he says in verse 2, kind of saying in a slightly different way, set your minds on things above. So a new heart, new mind, focused on Jesus Christ, our mindset Our thinking needs to be dominated by the things above, by the things of God, if you will. Not on earthly things. So set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. Uh, Choose one or the other, but you can't do both. Ever tried to do that? Look up and look down at the same time? It doesn't work. Try it. I mean, seriously, you're looking up and trying to look down. It doesn't work. Spiritually, the same thing is true. I cannot be looking to Christ and seeking to honor Him and know Him and and serve Him and at the same time have my mind embroiled in all the stuff that's going on around me. Set your mind on things above. New heart, new mind, focused on Jesus. A mindset dominated by the things of God. Not earthly things. And again, I said we can't do both. So set your mind on things above. Keep it that way. Uh, another person put it this way. Our focus on the things above should make a significant difference in our life below. And focus on what's above to change how we behave here below. Another person said, look, look up, not down. Concentrate on what is eternal, not what is earthly, not what is temporary. Let's go ahead and read these first two verses together before we move on to verse 3 and 4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And then verse 3 goes on to say, do that, set your mind, set your heart, set your mind, for you died... And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So you died. When we believe in Jesus, we are saved. And at that point in time, we have the new man. We are are made alive in Christ. We were dead in our trespasses, in our sins. And when we believe, we pass from death to life. We're made alive in Him. And so we died with Christ. Anything foreign to Jesus should be foreign to us, if you want to really put it in that kind of a terminology. 
And we died, and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. So this word hidden is a really interesting word. It's a word that means to conceal in order to protect. It's the kind of word that would be used if you had a a really big jewel or diamond of some kind, and you wanted to protect it from everybody, so you would hide it away someplace where nobody else could find it, where it would be safe. And what Paul is saying is, your life is now hidden, protected, secure, because you are in Christ. And that's the whole point that he's trying to make. Um, now, he's not saying hide your testimony. He's saying, no, you, you're safe and secure. Why? Because you are hidden in Christ. You have believed, and so you are now in Christ, and you are hidden and secure and protected. So for you who, for you died, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, verse four, <coughs> excuse me. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. When Christ who is your life. Can we say that? Christ is my life. When Christ who is your life, Jesus, the source of life the belief for us as believers, when Christ who is your life appears, and this, as we read through the rest of this verse, then you also will appear with Him. And so when He appears, this is the whole idea of the rapture, and, and that it's an open and visible thing as Christ returns for his own people. Then you also will appear. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are here will be caught up to meet them in the air. So when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Matter of fact, verse 17, 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says this, We who are still alive and our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So culturally, on one level, when you think about it, for the believer, it isn't merely our life shouldn't just be activity and, and, and uh, details and acquisitions, accomplishments. What should life be? Life is Christ. Can we say that? Do we believe that? Do we want to live in that way? It's interesting. Um, Paul used uh, past, present, and future tenses here to, to do something. I think to get some thoughts across to us. So past tense, you have died with Christ uh, in verse 3. Uh, present tense, we are hidden with Christ in God. No one can snatch us. Out of God's hands, we are safe, we are secure, we're hidden, perfectly taken care of. And then future tense, you also will appear with him. So when the Lord comes, those who have died uh, in him will come with him, and those that haven't died will be brought up together with him and meet him in the air. So that whole idea of died with Christ, hidden in Christ, and looking forward to his appearance as well. Another person put put this kind of together, look forward to Christ's reigning on his throne in heaven. So we're looking upward for that. We're saying, okay, we can't wait. Christ reigning on his throne, Christ reigning in, in heaven. And then look forward to Christ's coming for us in the clouds. Now we know he reigns right now. He sits at the right hand of God and he intervenes and intercedes for his people. 
And at one point when it, when the time is right, it's when he will come. And so we can look upward and pray to him and thank him and praise him and imagine what it must be like to someday see him. And then we look forward to the time when we will actually see him. Remember, John says that we will be like him. Why? Because we will see him as he is. You want to be transformed completely, totally, forever? Well, it's coming for all of us when we see him. There's a couple of implications here. <clears throat> I think these verses to me were, were very, very powerful, full of really good promises. <clears throat> One clear challenge that I think we need to continue to look at is the whole idea of focusing our minds and our hearts on the Lord. And, and again, it it's one of the things that we say, but do we understand what that really means on a practical level? Do we stop and think at different points during the day, where, where's my focus right now? Where's my focus? Now, I totally understand that there are times when my focus is going to be on this machine that I'm operating because I'm at work and this has to be done. I get that. But when I can think about what I choose to, where does my mind go immediately? And that's a really good question. So if we keep our focus on Him where He is, and if we make sure that we set our hearts and our minds on Him, not on the earthly things around us, then we will be able to walk in close fellowship with Him. Um, again, just take any normal day, and we need to ask ourselves, okay, so in any way, is, am I thinking about Christ and focusing on Him? Or is He kind of, okay, good morning, Lord, I'll see you later. And we go do everything we're supposed, we want to do, anything we want to do, and then at night we say, hey, Lord, just watch over me while I sleep, and that's the end of it. I think we're missing something there. Second Corinthians 4, 15 through 18. I thought I'd just go back and look at these verses that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Verse 15, all of this, and when he's speaking of all of this, he's referring back to the suffering that he had gone through and was still going through. All of this, all of the suffering that I've gone through is for your benefit. And Paul said that many times. The things I'm going through are so that I can bring you the Word of God, so that I can bring you the Gospel. And so all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. So Paul was saying, listen, I've gone through some things. And if you go back to the passages in Corinthians where it talks about how, you know, I've shipwrecked three times and beaten and lashed all these times. It's an, it's an incredible list. Uh, there are those who speculate that very few people would have actually even lived through all those things. Yet Paul lived and continued to serve the Lord. And so Paul said, because God is reaching more and more people, verse 16, that is why we never give up. Yeah, I've been thrown in prison. Yes, I have been beaten with rods. Yes, I have been given 40 lashes minus one. Yes, all of these things are true. But because God is reaching more and more people, I will not give up. I will not give up. Though our bodies are dying, or another way of translating that is wasting away, our spirits are being renewed every day. So think about that. Paul's saying, listen, I'm, I'm going through some hard things. I'm initially or almost in a sense wasting away. That's how bad things are for me physically. And, and so he mentioned all of those things. Um, 
But he says, that's why we never give up. We continue to put ourselves out there and let God deal with us as he chooses. Um, in, in, in verse 17, he talked about how in Asia, um, he thought that he was going to die. He actually thought that what was happening to him was going to lead to his death. Here's what he says. For our present troubles are small or light and momentary and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory vastly outweighing them and will last forever. And so again, you've got Paul saying, I'm, I'm going through all those things. I, it was so hard that at times I thought, I literally thought this was the end. I was going to die. And he says, our troubles produced a glory to be received in, in God's presence. And then Paul, after he's talking about all of these things that have gone on, he says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. Set your mind on things above. Set your hearts on things above. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Isn't that incredible? I mean, so this is a guy, like I said, you read the list of stuff he's gone through and the fact that he was still alive, you wonder... And you have to come to the conclusion that God just kept sparing him the process of dying because he still needed Paul to do the things that he had called Paul to do. And so that meant Paul had to go through a lot of suffering. And it's very possible that one of the reasons Luke traveled with him was to help him. He was a doctor of the time and was to be able to help Paul with all of the physical things that he was actually going through. Paul says, we don't focus on our suffering. We, we do not focus on the pain or the hardship. We do not focus on everything that seems to be going wrong. Ever been there? <laughs> we do not focus on the fact that we are slowly wasting away. Paul says, instead, we fix our eyes on Jesus and on what is not seen, we look towards eternity. We, we long for our Lord Jesus and His work to continue. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's where our thoughts are. That's where our focus is. And he says, I've found in my own life times that I focus on stuff going on around me. And, I, and on some levels, I can, I, can, I can understand what Paul's saying here. Because in my own life, there have been times when I'm seeing all the stuff that's going on and I'm seeing those things. And I'm not seeing myself in relationship to what God is doing. And it's at those times when I'm focused on everything else but the Lord. Focused on the here and the now and the struggle of today. Those times when I, what if? Well, what if? And, and you know, maybe you don't do that, but I, I do sometimes. And we dwell on speculation and we think about the things that May or may not happen. We don't know. Those are the times when I lose my focus and I'm self-absorbed and I'm setting my, not setting my heart on the things of Christ. Those are when I need the Holy Spirit to grab a hold of me and say, Mark, your focus is wrong. Your focus is not where it's supposed to be. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Not, not on earthly things. And so that's the call that we get to focus on the things of God. We're going to face hard things. 
We will face struggles and difficulties. And many times what we do is we'll find a way to numb that so that we don't have to deal with it. Or we try to escape from it in some way. And there's all kinds of different ways that we do that. You know? Um, what are we doing this for in light of what's going on over here? I'm, this is what, I, what happened to me. This is what I'm feeling. But I'm doing all these other things. Maybe I need to stop and say, okay, Lord, what, what's going on in this? Maybe I need to refocus. Back in Detroit for a, for a while, <clears throat> when all our daughters were in different sports, um, I helped coach uh, junior high basketball for guys and girls. And at this level, it's not like you're trying to teach them how to slam dunk or anything like that, obviously. You're trying to get them to be able to dribble the basketball and actually get from one end of the court to the other and hopefully get a, get a ball in the basket. But every now and then there'd be a game where it was just even ten times worse than you ever expected it to be. And, and lost miserably. And you're just praying for the clock to go. Just keep, don't, don't stop the clock. Let it go, let it go. It's interesting because it, in those times when that happened, what we would do at the next practice was not even talk about the game. Didn't even bother with the game. We just said, you know what? Let's work on some dribbling skills. Let's work on some shooting. Let's work on some teamwork thing. So it was a, what were we doing? Refocusing from the horrendous thing that happened and everybody saying, oh, I did this and it was terrible and I, I did this and lost the ball. None of that. Totally gone. Let's focus. Let's learn what we need to learn. And, and, and it's interesting because many times in my own life when I'm struggling spiritually and hurting in some way, that's when I need to say, okay, it's time to stop looking at the struggle. It's time to say, okay, Lord, I need your help, but I want to set my mind and my heart on you and on Christ. Another implication. Verse 1, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, <clears throat> not on earthly things. Anyone who has accepted Christ Jesus as Lord um, and has believed and, and been saved, the challenge for us as believers is to set our hearts and our minds on Jesus and not all of the things that are out there trying to grab our attention. I mean, there are hundreds of things any given point of any day that are wanting to grab my attention and take them over here. And... <clears throat> It's interesting, when I'm studying and I'm coming up against the something that I'm really working through and I'm looking at the software, um, Bible software and that kind of stuff, it's amazing how many times something will pop into my head and it'll say, you know, you really need to check what the price on such and such is on Amazon. What? Now that's when I have to say, okay, no, I don't need to be doing that. I need to come back here and focus. And, and I just use that as an example. <clears throat> we get sidetracked in so many ways. For me, it's just, okay, I'm going to look at one more thing. Oh, I've got to double-check this price. And I may need to do that, but not then. I need to finish the things that God has for me, and that focus needs to be done before I go back in that direction. Paul said this. It's something very similar in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. I love those words. <clears throat> Many times 
we struggle with whatever it is we think of ourselves and we struggle with maybe what others have said about us. And, and the reality is if anyone is in Christ, he's new. A brand new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. When we believe in Jesus to save us and we are new creations, the old is gone then the new has come. And, and we need to hang on to that truth. In my example about this uh, older woman that I fell in love with, <clears throat> my focus was out of whack, wasn't it? Totally. Um, I lost sight of the truth. I lost sight of what I was there for. And that had to be readjusted and refocused and say, okay, now, now we move forward. came across this illustration this past week. A, a little girl and her mother were traveling with relatives or traveling to visit relatives. <clears throat> they arrived at the home where they were going to spend time. And um, it was late, and so they just went right upstairs to the room, got in bed, went to sleep. And the next day, the little girl woke up before her mom, and she looked down at the foot of the bed. She's just kind of laying there looking down, and she sees this beautiful picture of Jesus, and, and, and um, she, she thought that was really cool. So she sat up, and then she realized it was a mirror. Because when she sat up, she saw herself. So she lay back down and sat back up. And finally she woke up to her mother and said, Mom, Mom, look, when I see myself, I can't see Jesus. Good word. When we are self-focused, when we are looking only at ourselves and what we want to see happen in our lives and we're longing for all these things and we need this and we need that, Those are the times we need to say, okay, I need to stop looking at myself. I need to look up and see what the Lord has for me. We are called to focus our hearts and our minds on Him, not on the things of this earth. One of the things that, this one more example of how to sort that through, um, there are so many ways that we have of going a direction other than looking at the things above. And um, maybe, they're, maybe they're not even sinful in, in the sense, maybe it's the sense of how much. You know, I'm, I'm saying, hey, maybe I enjoy a particular TV show. And, and, you know, the I guess the wonder and the danger of our world today is that I can watch that TV show over and over and over and just binge watch for eight or nine hours. That's not a hard thing to do in this day's culture. And and for me, I need to say, because there's some things I love watching, but if I'm I'm sitting there and I'm maybe two hours into this and I'm thinking, wait a minute here, where's my focus here? And, And there's nothing wrong with watching. That's not what I'm trying to say. But for me, I need to say, okay, this is where it ends and I get back to what I need to do and the things that I need to do when it comes to walking with the Lord. What's our takeaway? Verse 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Again, go back to that statement. When Christ, who is your life. Is that true for me? How about is it true for you? Can I say that no matter what happens, no matter what comes tomorrow, Christ is my life? That's an area that we can all grow in. Uh, 
living our lives with Christ as our life. In other words, as the center, as the core, or as our focus. Somewhere down the rest of our verse, you know, we will appear with Him in glory. But when Christ who is our life, then we will, He will appear sometime in glory and we'll be with Him. But just that one phrase, if you want to take one phrase this week, just take that one. Christ who is my life. Just chew on that this week, if you will. Christ gives us the power to live for Him now, and He gives us our hope for Him in the future, that He will return. There's a passage of Scripture that I use at uh, almost every graveside service that I've conducted. And on one level, I thought it was especially appropriate. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 And now, dear brothers and sisters, We want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so that you will not grieve like the rest of the people who have no hope. So when Christ who is your life, and then at some point down the road when He comes, we will be taken up with Him unless we've already gone on ahead. And Paul says, don't grieve for those that who have gone ahead. Don't grieve over those who are actually with the Lord. Don't grieve for them. Yes, we miss them. Yes, I understand that. And that death is ugly. But on another level, death is the door into His presence. And sometimes we miss that fact that as as hard and difficult as death is from our side of of eternity, it is the, the only way in unless the Lord comes for all of us. Paul goes on to say, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with Him the believers who have not died. So those who have gone on ahead will come with the Lord. Verse 15, We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will 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 not meet Him ahead or we will not precede those who have died ahead of us. Verse 16, for the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we will be with the Lord forever. When we think about that, think, think about how amazing that is. And, and like I say, many times we, we hear this passage only at funerals. And so there's that hurt and that pain of someone who has gone on. And we, yes, we're thankful that they're with the Lord. And yes, we, we miss them. We, we hurt because they are gone. And yet Paul makes it really clear. They got the better part for right now. They're actually with the Lord. They're not facing temptation. They're not facing pain and hardship. And Paul thought this was so important that he said this after he wrote all those things. He said, so encourage each other with these words. 
The whole point, Paul says, of why I'm telling you how this is going to go is so that you'll know, you'll understand that those that have gone ahead of us, yeah, they're there first, but we will be with them. When Christ comes to get us or when we die and meet them, either way, we will be in the Lord's presence. And so Paul says, encourage each other with these words. Remember the old song, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. I used to love playing that and singing it, and I'm not sure that I ever actually thought deeply about it. But it's true. I mean, it could be nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, this world isn't our home. We are supposed to be pilgrims and foreigners, and that's it. We're passing through. We have a job to do, and that is to live for the Lord and set our eyes on Him and help others to see Him. But we're all headed to the same place as believers. We're going to meet those that are already there. And Paul says, because of that, encourage each other with these words. Not over. Not over. Time's coming, and we will all be together with the Lord. Lord God, thank You for Your Word, and thank You for the strong statements that Paul makes. Lord, I ask for myself that You would help me this week to stop regularly and say, okay, where's my focus? Where does it need to be? Help me, Lord, to set my heart and my mind on You first and foremost, and not all of the things that kind of try to get in the way. I pray this for myself, and I ask it for my brothers and sisters. In your name, amen.